Legacy cuts are the kinds of cuts you'll make on older plants that that plant is never going to be the same again. It will never grow out of that cut. So you have to understand that when you're making legacy changes uh, to, to a business um, versus just making modifications and, you know. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlack, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Monique. Monique, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Michelle. I'm really, I'm very excited. As I was mentioning, I'm really, really enjoying your podcast. So I feel uh, pretty lucky to be on it. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. I have a fam. <laughs> <laughs> so give everybody a highlight of who you are and an introduction to your business. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Monique Allen, I own a landscape development company in Massachusetts. Um, I've been in the landscape industry for 38 years, so it's kind of hard to believe, knocking on four decades. When the heck did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> like, how? Um, how? How? How, right? Um, yeah, so I started um, freelance uh, in my late teens. And then uh, ambitious is all get out. My father was an entrepreneur and uh, owned his own business. So owning your own business just made sense. So I went to sole proprietorship, did that in the 90s, and then uh, was married and, and was going to have a baby and was like, okay, well, maybe I should be really serious and decided to start a corporation. Uh, started it in 2000. So I've been doing the garden continuum ever since. And then about eight years ago, um, I was I was going through a lot of changes. And around that eight year mark, eight years ago, um, I was really showing up different and people were noticing. And so I had people ask me to help them, you know, like, how are you doing that? Can you, can you share? And be like, yeah, sure. I'll have a cup of coffee with you. And, you know, we'll talk about it. And this woman was like, nope, I don't want to have coffee. I want you to coach me. I want you to help me do this. And that's where coaching was born. I just sort of rolled all of my experience the training that I had, uh, a degree in entrepreneurship, and started to to work one on one, and that's how the Lifescape Coach was born. Nice, I love it. So, in the Garden Continuum, do you bring gardening concepts and or landscaping business concepts into the whole thing, or why did you stick with the name? Yeah, um, so it really is. I will say that the the central tenets of how I think about business, but also how I think about my industry is I'm following nature. I'm following how nature does things. There's such infinite wisdom in nature. And I, I wrote a book called Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping, because I had an idea about how we needed to be treating the land and how we needed to shift the landscape paradigm, which I felt was hurting the planet, not helping it. And what happened was I had to, I had to really dial it back. You know, when you've been in business a long time and you, you don't really know how you do something, somebody asks you and you're like, well, I don't really know how I do that. <laughs> I, had to, I had to dial it, it back. It just happened. It just happened. You know, it was organic. I don't remember. So it was dialing it all back and literally codifying what I was doing. And I was able to say, okay, there are these three central tenants in how you would develop a piece of land, right? You would have to consider the organization, consider the health, and consider the wow factor. That these three tenants were, you know, that that beautiful 
three-legged stool, as it were, that held everything up. Well, then I realized, well, wait a second. That's how you do a business. That's how you do a family. That's how you do a volunteer organization. Like these were central tenets of life. And so lifescaping became a bigger thing, but nature continues to drive it um, with its wisdom. Nice. I love it. So let's go back to the analogy in landscaping and kind of draw that out a little bit for me so that we can create a visual for everybody. Those three tenants in landscaping, what are they and how do they become pertinent to somebody who's planning out that landscaping? Okay. So if we look at the three tenants of organization, healthy and wow, wow, we always start with organization. The human brain actually wants things to be somewhat predictable in order to feel safe. So, you know, there's these huge- <laughs> We don't want axes flying at us as we're yeah, walking you know, down the little garden path. Right. We don't want poison ivy and bugs and lions and tigers and bears. You know, like we, we actually- the experience as we're going. <laughs> so as much as we say we want natural- yeah. Most human beings don't Natural want to be without in bugs. I've yeah, met without city bugs, slickers. without anything pokey or sticky or you know making us itchy and scratchy. Yeah. Um, so, so we need to organize. We need to have a, a sense of organization, and we can have hyper formal organization, and we can have much looser, more organic organization. But the point is that we need to have organization, which means we're going to work through a process of planning. So the way I laid out the book was that we start at the dreaming stage, just very kind of foggy and dreamy and up there. And then we come down to the visualization phase, which is where we're trying to create, you know, the outside lines of what it is we're trying to create. Then we move into planning. Then we move into design. Then we move into the actual build. But what generally happens in the industry is somebody walks through a nursery, sees a pretty purple plant, buys it, and then realizes they need a shovel to put it in. They don't have a shovel. They don't know where they're going to put it. So they leave it at their back door. And then they call me three weeks later and ask me if I can plant it. And I go there and the thing shriveled. It's like, it's like this, what happens is we tend to lead with, wow, we love shiny things. So when we back it up and say, no, 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 lead with organization, then what that does is allows us to then build the environment for health. And this is where um, being strategic about sustainability and organic practices, if that's what you prefer, it's what I prefer, doesn't make me right, but it's what I prefer. And then being able to employ the practice of regenerative care, right? This is where most of our land, most of our situations we're approaching change because something is either broken, not functioning, not thriving. So regener regenerative care basically means we're looking to enliven the thing, right? Because high health also hits the brain as a good thing, right? Our, our limbic brain is looking for, for safety and it's looking for health because the two main things that any living organism wants to do is survive and procreate. And so all of that is necessary. So we do organization, then we go to health. Once we got those things, now we want bling because we love pretty, right? We want shiny, we want pretty, we want colorful, we want nice smells and nice sounds. So we overlay that and we get that feeling of inspiration, let's say when it's hard. So if it's a landscape and you've got to go and weed, but you happen to be weeding under a lilac that smells amazing, 
all of a sudden weeding's not so terrible. So it's the it's the integration of these the three things that makes a highly functional system. I, I love the analogy because when you were talking about organization, I kind of burst out laughing, thinking that a lot of companies have these beautiful French garden mazes of herbs in their front yard, or in some cases, you know, eight foot walls, and they're <laughs> completely separate. <laughs> you can't get from one to the other, and there's really no entrance or exit other than the back doors to some of them. And it's yeah. like, that's probably not how you wanted that to happen. But, you know, <laughs> technology-wise, you know, accounting has their software, and sales has theirs, and marketing has theirs, and everybody's got their own messaging and their own events and their own things going on, and nobody's talking to each other. So I love, love, love the concept, and I think it's paramount to be able to go back to that Um especially once the weeds start growing and we're starting to buy the pretty flowers and throw them in there. Um, in your experience, is that kind of like an annual review of what the plan is? Is it a constant review somewhere in between? What's the... Yeah, well, so the thing that that makes this analogy work so well, even into business and into life, is that um, nature is not static, right? She's She's in constant flux and in constant motion and constant vibration. So unlike, let's say, designing and building a kitchen, which has a relatively static, we hope that we don't wake up in the, you know, appliances are moving. If you've ever worked uh, with anybody plan their kitchen, is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let that no. thing stay in place. Yeah. But what happens over time is that the, the landscape is growing, right? It's just literally growing. So very, very similar to like how a family would grow. The two of those are very easy to see that we need to do an annual assessment of the original intent, right? Mm -hmm. So so the design intent, the, the, the purpose, the mission, the, the kind of the reality be behind why you did it in the first place, you want that to be strong and, and a really core element. It's like having a set of uh, values and a mission in a business. And then it grows around that. And so you go back to it and you say, oh, okay, are we growing a little too far this way? Do we need to prune that back a little bit? Or maybe this has gotten a little too big. Maybe we pull that out and move it over there and put something else here. And so I have landscapes that I've been managing for over two decades. Not only has the landscape changed incredibly, but those families have changed. And so going back annually and doing an assessment to see is the design intent, does it still hold? Does it still stand? Or do we need to actually edit that? When we look at growing a business, you move from this emergence to evolving to all businesses move into this state of entrenchment where they get a little stuck. And so by going back and looking, then you're always ideally going between emerging and evolving as opposed to getting to entrenchment. When you don't go back and look, at business, or you don't go back and look at a landscape, this entrenchment thing can happen where there's a stuckness, or all of a sudden in the landscape, we call it congestion. And we sort of need to break up that congestion so that we can get that organizational flow again and make sure we have the best health possible. Nice. Love it. So are there times in a business where people will over prune or over <laughs> scape to? <laughs> I, love I was it. like, oh, probably shouldn't have done that. 
<laughs> See, yeah, it happen well, a lot more often in landscaping than business. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you even in my own experience, um, you know, situations where there's butting heads and the response to that is to just cut something off, you know, get rid of a client, fire an employee, uh, you know, just decide I'm not doing that anymore uh, because you just, you know, you just cut it off at the knees because you just can't stand it. And, you know, I've done that and it's reactionary and any reactionary behaviors are, you know, run the risk of, you know, you can bleed out if you amputate something, you've got to be really mindful if you're going to do that. So I've definitely over pruned uh, and, and then regretted it and, and then realized, you know, I've got to go into triage mode. Um, and then I guess the good news is I try really hard to be self-aware so that if I notice that I did that, when something brings up that same trigger in me, like that same, like, you know, kind of feeling I can say, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Breathe, stand back, put the machete away and maybe, <laughs> maybe think a little bit differently, um, about how you might respond as opposed to react to that particular situation. Nice. Well, and again, I I'm loving the re the analogy because I think it it gives somebody a good visual to to be able to understand the dynamics of a business where typically there wouldn't be a a visual for it. And if somebody's kind of just kind of going along tickety boo and they're you know they don't really understand the ramifications of their decisions in a in a daily basis, and this brings a visual to people that need that visual. Yeah, one of the things that like in the landscape, like to help with that visual is there are some things that you can do that are, they're minor, they're sort of trimming, right? It's like getting a, getting a, you know, half inch cut off, right? Which is very different than hating your hair and, you know, chopping off <laughs> seven inches and then giving yourself bangs. And then you got to live with growing out those damn bangs for however long, right? Women that are listening will totally understand everybody's done bangs at one point or another and then said, oh my God, why did I, why did I do that? But um, like one of our pruning trainers, um, she's fantastic. She says, you know, know, know the difference between, you know, a, you know, an in the moment cut or a trim versus a legacy cut. Legacy cuts are the kinds of cuts you'll make on older plants that that plant is never going to be the same again. It will never grow out of that cut. So you have to understand that when you're making legacy changes uh, to to a business um, versus just making modifications. And, you know, I fired a key person once and that was a legacy change. I'll never be able to get back on that trajectory it, it, it'll never happen doesn't mean that where I'm at is bad but I didn't think about it before I reacted and so I think those legacy moves that we make require us to go back in that process where I was saying you know dream vision plan design um, you've got to go backward in time and say okay can I envision what it would be like if I make that cut you know, can I envision what it would be like if I if I slam that door shut? And it, and if you can see that through and say that's actually where I want to go, then hey, go do it. Uh, but if you can't, maybe hold a beat. Nice. So, holding to the analogy for a little bit longer, is there a similarity in business as there is 
kind of zones in gardening. Because I know there's a huge difference between living in a zone two and living in a zone eight as far as the agriculture goes and the growth of plants. And you can get away with a lot more pruning in, say, Florida than you can in Calgary. Um, is that kind of the stage of business? Is it the complexity of business? If there were an analogy to that, what do you, what would it be? That's a great question. I um I think that, I think that the size of business probably is a little bit more analogous to zone, in the sense that I mean you know if you're running you know a hundred thousand dollar business, let's say under five hundred thousand, your environment. It, you have a certain environment. When you go from, just to keep the numbers simple, from half a million to a million, it's it's another environment. As soon as you break through the, the million dollar ceiling, now the environment is, is different again. And zones really speak to environment and the viability of plants in environments. The viability of the CEO, the owner, you know, are you an owner operator working shoulder to shoulder with your teams? Or are you an owner manager? you know, working with crew leads in the field, or now are you an owner director working with managers who are working with the crew leads in the field? And the the way you run a business is so, so different in each one of those environments. And I think one of the big mistakes that I see and why people come to to work with me is often they're in that emergent stage where they're gaining traction. So they're already businesses, they're already six figures, and they're gaining traction. They've got momentum and traction. And it's kind of like being on that mountain bike, going down the hill, going, like, what's happening? <laughs> you know, um, because they're succeeding and they're actually feeling the pain of succeeding versus a, a, a company that is really in the evolutionary stage where they realize that they actually have to change. They actually have to change because zonally, you know, one of those three environments, it's different. They actually need an office manager. They actually have to carve out that position or else they're not going to be able to keep keep a handle on their on their business. So I think that probably is the best correlation to zone because zone is so environment focused. Okay. So would you say that there's kind of typical mistakes that business owners would make at those different phases that if they just knew this, they might not make those those mistakes? Yeah, I think probably um, when you're moving, when you're in that emergent stage, uh, a lot of times, most of the people that I work with are people who are have incredible technical savvy. You know, they're they're very good at what they do. They're you know amazing designers or horticulturalists. They um, they are ecologists. They they just the people I work with are so heart centered. They just, they love the planet. They love nature and they really, you know, there's passion for it. And probably what happened a lot of times I see, you know, their passion is getting a little squished by working with someone else. They can't express it. So they think oh, I'm going to go do it by myself. And they go do by themselves and they're, they're expressing their technical skill. But what happens is they start to succeed and they realize that what they actually need to do is like be running a business. And that's not where they're skilled. And so the pain is making that kind of like the Michael Gerber, you know, the e-myth, you know, where you're going from tech technician to, to manager to leader. And they realize that they need to learn a ton about management. And then they get a chokehold 
They finally got a grip on it, but they got to move to leadership and they can't let go. You know, so yeah. it's 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 trying to get one of the first questions that I ask anyone, because most of the time people have their hair on fire when they when they <laughs> meet me, <laughs> is I ask them. So so when was the last time you chose to be self-employed? Like, when was the last time you woke up and said, yeah, I choose this. I choose this. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be an owner. I want to be a manager. I want to be an employer. That's what I want. Versus waking up and going, oh, crap, I have to do payroll, <laughs> you know, right. and I don't get to design today or whatever. Like, you have to choose entrepreneurship every day, just like you have to choose to be married every day. You don't, you know, once you're a mom or a dad, you don't get to choose that anymore, right? That choice is made. But the other things we can choose, and when we choose, um, we actually walk in a, a state of agency so that so that we can actually face the hard things knowing that it's our choice you know it, it's not a backhanded thing that the universe gave us we chose it and and i think that it's easier to to handle what's difficult when when you know you chose it and i think both in the emerging and in evolving that's what i see is reminding them you chose this reminding them you're a business owner first a designer second i know you love being a designer but you're a business owner first now I was going to say, have you, before I get into kind of carrying on, is have you noticed that there's a difference between, you know, the Michael Gerber, the technician, the the manager and the, and the owner? Because I know that some people are more apt to lead. They just, they're like, oh yeah, payroll and all this and organizing people and delegating this is easy. What we're going to sell and how we're going to sell it and how we're going to message it. That's a totally different conundrum. How we're going to produce it. <laughs> it's a totally different thing. Um, and the managers are like, yeah, I can totally do this, but having a vision where we're going, I don't know. I just want to get on track and keep going. So in, in seeing all three aptitudes, is there one that you find easiest to deal with? And if so, why? As far as easiest to deal with me as a coach, like dealing yeah. with someone, um, that's a really, that's gosh, that's a really creative question. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm thinking, sure. so I love <laughs> I love working with the technical savvy because it's there's a little bit of a geeking out that happens there because I'm in that space too. I just, you know, I love it so much. I think the people who love that so much and resent the other parts, that's actually hard because even though I can geek out with them about the stuff we love, I have to keep reminding them that that's second and that's kind of hard. You keep putting that mirror up in front of them and you feel like, Oh, sorry, but you know. <laughs> um, sorry. the, the manager or leader, I don't think one is necessarily easier or more difficult. I am very interested in creating leaders. So um, I think the, the area where I have the most fun is when I see somebody who really does see how moving into the leadership stance in their business is going to serve them. It is actually going to get them to that place where they really are building a high integrity business so that they can live that rich life. And I mean, rich, not in just, you know, money rich, just rich and yummy, right? Kind of life. And I think leadership is the path to that. So when I, when I see that sparkle in someone's eye that they're starting to get it, that's when it's like so exciting and I think the other thing that I love is no matter what their tendency is, as far as like where their comfort zone is, when people do the work, 
you know, when they, when you say, okay, I want you to do this exercise. I want you to try this and do this and do that. And they come back to me and they're like, oh, I did the thing. And it was so cool. Like it's, I'm so jazzed about that. Right. You know, it's just that beautiful openness. That's, that's what I care about the most. So they're open to give it a shot. Nice. I do love that. And it happens at every phase of business. It's just right. so much fun to watch. So much fun. Right. Awesome. So do you have an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients? Um, so I did have, so a couple of things. Yes. So I'm mean, going to, two, nice. one was a client who broke through the million dollar ceiling and that was just really, really exciting. Um, uh, it was, you know, it was important, but it wasn't the goal. It wasn't the central goal, but I think what happened was we worked together such that there were some, some significant blocks. And as those blocks fell away, all of a sudden it was kind of like clearing rocks and twigs from the stream. And then all of a sudden you just were like, whoosh, you know, you could see the flow. And I just remember at the end of the year, just celebrating, we were just so excited um, because it was just such a big thing and it was about a hundred thousand dollar shift. So it wasn't like, you know, just 10 grand, it was big enough that it felt significant. Um, and you know, the, the happily ever after we know isn't real, right? So they broke through the million dollar ceiling and then they had all the million dollar problems, right? So oh, had to, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was really, really cool. Then all the of a sudden other, they have money problems and right, it's just like a different <laughs> problem, problem, right? New level, new devil, as I like exactly. to say. Exactly. Um, but the yeah. other one was was on some level more powerful, and it was um a client of mine who had um a pretty toxic employee that had been uh, very close to that owner for a while, kind of like the snake oil being poured in the ear. And, um, and there was a lot of negativity. And very early on in working with this owner, um, I was like, that, I'm going to say something that I don't even know is ethical as a, as a, as a business coach. Um, I think this person has to go. I, 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 you know, this is what I'm seeing third party. And, um, I'm really worried that the that the central goal of this employee is to keep you small. And um, it took us probably about three or four months to work through that. And ultimately the owner uh, released this person and that business changed remarkably. We watched as the person under the one that was released, literally like like cutting down a tree and allowing sun to reach a rose. This person just blossomed and now is a amazing staple in this company, but it could not happen because the person that was released was making sure everybody else stayed down and the owner stayed fearful. Mm -hmm. um, and I never went into coaching thinking that that would be something that I worked on or an outcome. Uh, but now I'm very keyed into um, what's happening dynamically within the relationships of a team mm -hmm. and realizing that that's, that's critical for owner success. Is that, that is an awesome one. point because it is so hard to see as the owner or as participant in it. And yet it happens in almost every business that the team you have when you start out isn't capable of getting you to the next level and you have to shift some people out good better and different but when it's in it's really hard to 
to see those things happening. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Love that. And well, I love, I love the conversation in that bringing, um, like it again the analogy is just fantastic because we see this tree and it's huge and it's like oh this is lovely why would i cut down that tree and it's like well because you have all these rose bushes and the intention is to grow those bushes <laughs> like, it's like, right, uh, what was that keep, divine intent going back to that original <laughs> plan and organization i love it and and i've dealt with people that have businesses that have sabotaged because their right hand wouldn't do it the way we were suggesting to do it. And I was like, like, it's killing me, but like, we can't do this anymore. Right. It's not going. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is where, and I loved it. Like some of your other guests, when I was listening to some of them, there was, there was this really nice thread going through. I don't know if it was because it was the ones I was picking, (laughs) um, but really just about like, always trying to move from being, you know, kind of myopic in your view in your business and then, you know, zooming out to kind of see what's going on and then zooming back in and making decisions and then zooming out again um, because business is fluid. It, it just, mm. it's not the same always. And at the end of the day, it is your business. It is you, the owner. And I don't know if men and women struggle with this in the same way my experience in talking to them, I think because I, I work with such heart-centered men, um, is that in general, there is this sense of, well, I, ga- I got to make sure they're happy. I got to make sure, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of them. And yes, that's good to a point, but you also need to have that con- con- sovereign sense of self that this is your business and you do get to decide. You get to put the banks on the river and decide the flow of the river. And then ideally you're able to attract because you're so clear, the people who want those banks and that flow as opposed to constantly you know, chipping away at the banks and opening it up and trying to make it fit every person. Sometimes you just need to show people the door mm-hmm. and say, look at, this is how we do it. I'd love you to be here with us. If it's not comfortable for you, there's the door. I'll write you a great reference. Like we're all good. Normalizing that separation so that we're not vilifying people for not wanting to stay mm-hmm. uh, or not wanting to do it your way, but you need to be able to be sovereign in that. Um, that, that for me was a huge growth point for myself as a business. I love it. And I think that even kind of the, what I'm going to call shrewd business owners, we'll have to put in KPIs at some point in order to be able to kind of, those are the boundaries or the the shoreline. And some that are going for the more transparent business will look at the team to go, okay, hey team, how do you think this is going down? Uh, which I think is a fascinating new approach to business. My issue with that is that sometimes the the bad apple can, um, can vilify the team and you seriously want to make sure you don't do that. Uh, because yeah. if they think, if c- cumulatively they think that person has clout, then they may get swayed into giving a better praise than than they should have been getting. So yeah, I, think I think it's hugely important to bring somebody like you in to go, mm, I don't think so. Yeah, it's very important. And I think also to, to that point is that you can ask your team about some things and some things you don't ask. 
like there and that's where working with somebody being in a you know it, it can be with a one-on-one -on -one coach it can be with an accountability group it could be in a mastermind whatever is just getting out of that myopic isolation in your own head where you feel like somehow you've got to come up with it all know it all or ask them because you don't feel strong enough instead if you can be i, I did a i i am got involved in a peer group uh like in the mid mid 2000s maybe like right around 2010 or something and um it was really great because I traveled across around the country and we visited other landscape businesses you know we it was like an open book so we had to like share our books we had to show our offices and our organizational structures and it was really cool to see the inner guts of these other landscape companies and be like Oh my goodness. That is like, you know, things that would seem really, really simple, like somebody who is like a dispatcher, mm -hmm. you know, big company, you know, like an eight figure company and they have a dispatcher and I'm this little seven figure company and I don't have a dispatcher. Maybe I can't afford one, but can I use some of the dispatcher tools? You know, or the systems so, or the processes or the why systems, they do what they do? <laughs> what's yeah, important so information and what's not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it was like, you know, mind blow. Uh, right. So I think that it, as much as owners can interact, whether it's with podcasts like yours or groups, accountabilities, their associations, whatever, we have got to get out of our isolation because we don't know. We think we know. We think our experience is the only experience and somehow we're unique. But yeah, not so much. There's answers all around you. If you open your eyes, lift your head and kind of like get out of the fog so that you can see all of the brilliance that's around you. And you don't have to take all of it. You take threads, mm -hmm. apply, apply what you can. I love it. I love it. This has been fascinating to me. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that some, what are, some of our listeners might be having right now in their businesses? And they're going, oh, Monique, I need you so badly in here. <laughs> Mostly, um, I, I would say that that where I'm useful is, is with relationships, is with teams, is with how how we actually build the structure around getting the help we need. Um, a lot of the struggle that I see is owners do kind of have a chokehold on the way. It's like, this is the way, you know, we're all Mandalorian at heart. Uh, and, and Or control freaks. Or control freaks. Yeah, one of the two. Um, but I think um, really moving to that place where, you know, you can you can see what you've got and what the struggles are and then say, okay, I need to be able to figure out what's next, but I don't actually have the forensic tools mm -hmm. to figure out why I'm where I am. So a lot of times I think there's this miss. We're not looking very closely at where we are. We're just looking out here and we're comparing ourselves to other people. And so I see a lot of that, like um, the hiring is so hard right now. And so I've got a lot of people saying things to me like, well, how does that person have employees? Why can't I have employees? What, what are they doing? It, a lot of copycatting. And so um, I think that when you feel, when, a, when an owner feels that stuckness, like they just can't get the help they need, they just don't know why they always feel so isolated. Um, that's where I can really help because what I do is I work with people to help them understand a little bit more about their inner environment. So I'm a yoga instructor. I study yoga philosophy. I'm working really, really hard to sort of do my own inner work and realizing that 
my business will only grow in relation to how much I can develop as a human being. Mm -hmm. And so if I can do that work myself, and then I can offer that work to my, my direct reports, my direct management team so that they're growing. Now I have the help that I need. And this is part of what I can help owners do is move out of that entrenched feeling of isolation and oh my gosh my hair's on fire and kind of move up a little start looking in the mirror start saying okay where where do I need work do that work and then start to embrace your people so that they also start doing that work and really I think what happens is I I have found that as I watch my team grow I realize that my business gets better the service gets better the clients are happier and so that my role is like a gardener of people and my people garden the gardens. And every owner has the ability to garden their organization. And if that's something you want to do, that's where I can help. Nice. I love it. And I see a sequel in your future. <laughs> I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start that journey with you? I'm sorry. I didn't understand. I didn't hear the question. Oh, sorry. I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start that journey with you? Oh, yes. So absolutely go to the lifescapecoach.com. So the lifescapecoach.com is my coaching site. And uh, you'll notice there that there's, uh, you just click on get started and have like just a free, just chat with me. I mean, it's just really no strings, just really talking. You fill out an intake form and I am a firm believer that every relationship is unique. I don't have a, you know, besides having my three tenets, organization, healthy, and wow. I really don't believe that there's a template that everybody needs to employ. We need to figure out where you are and do that forensic look. And that's really where everybody should get started. Nice. I love it. We will, of course, have all of Monique's links in the show notes. So you can scroll down, click on those links. Um, but of course, keep listening because we got more coming up. So Monique, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> oh my goodness, right at the beginning, right at the beginning. I mean, I was, uh, like I said, I grew up in a, a self-employed household. Mm -hmm. My father was an immigrant from the Middle East and had an air conditioning, refrigeration and commercial kitchen uh, business. And so it just made every bit of sense and at 19 years old, I was, I was diving in by the time I was 20, I was turning five figure jobs. Um, so <laughs> right nice. at the yep. that was awesome. So <laughs> I have to ask as a, a entrepreneurial family, did you guys have like dinner conversations about business and, or were you kind of dragged out of school and into the shop or how did it kind of play out in your everyday life? Um, well, I, you know, my father had that business. And then when I was in high school, my dad uh, decided to, he was sort of a serial entrepreneur. He opened a, um, like a cheese and gourmet cheese and sandwich shop. And so I got my working papers when I was 14 and I started working in that shop. And then when I was a senior into my senior summer, I was the weekend manager. So I ran, I ran the shop in the weekends. There were never any dinner conversations about it. There was just absolute assumption that I was doing that and that was it. Um, my my childhood was really traumatic. My father, you know, both my parents are gone and I love both my parents. They love me very much, but they were a mess. My father was brutal, you know? Uh -huh. uh, so so it, it wasn't that it was born out of um, planning. 
-hmm. it, it was born out of crazy drive, you know, that, uh, 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 but, but it worked for me. I love my, right. my brother was self-employed. Like you just, we just caught the bug really early because there was kind of no other choice. And I continue to smile through your story because it clearly worked out for you yeah. as, uh, you know, as um, whatever may have been going on. And, you know, I'm fascinated to hear what that might have been, too. But uh, for a different show of a different topic, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> but and I appreciate that it, almost every family has. Uh, it's difficulties and um, being able to navigate that, but it's uh, congratulations for getting through it because it's clearly yeah. served you well in a weird yeah. way, if not. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, all, it all unfolded the way it was supposed to is, is uh, the way I had it, right? It wouldn't change anything today. I love it. You've been absolutely awesome. And I have loved this conversation. Any last words for our peeps? Oh, just, you know, remember that, that, you're choosing this every day, wake up in the morning and say, I choose to be an entrepreneur today. And that will help you to be really strong in all your decisions, no matter what comes in front of you. Love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.